a rolling stone. Yeah, there's no moths. No moths. No moths detected on this stone. Rolling stone. It's one of those things where if you think about it too long, it's like, what is that? (laughs) Rolling stone. I presume it's named after um, Papa was a rolling stone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? I assume. Or the rolling stones. Well, I made a joke yesterday on um, Twitter about Parliament Funkadelic being bicameral and how the like lawmaking rules worked. Yes. But like Parliament was actually named for the cigarette. Oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it started as a band called The Parliaments. And that oh, was the par- a, yes. Was I this. feel like I, I, I remember so, that now. In a trace, I don't know, I was about to say like in a, a a trace of the new, the the old remains or yes, whatever. Yes, exactly. Uh, the Parliament is bicameral. The Parliament Funkadelic is bicameral. Are we, wait, are we rolling? Yeah, I'm rolling. Can, can I read, someone tweet, uh, tweeted something very beautiful at me in response to that joke that I really like. Uh, this is at Grant Matter said, it seems to me that Funkadelic would be analogous to the Senate, a higher body, smaller and slightly more elite, more abstracted. Parliament, like Congress, could be said to include Funkadelic, but is in itself a larger body with a broader representational mandate. Both are empowered by the mothership rather than a crown or constitution, and both rule co-equally over one nation under a single groove, which is to say, ultimately, through consent of the governed. I suppose George Clinton is the authority who forms standing committees. <laughs> See, this is why we have to do Parliament someday, just so we can talk about the cosmology of Parliament. Yeah, you I'd have be to learn who Sir Nosed Devoid of Funk is. <laughs> I, I certainly and, do, and the power of the bop gun. Yeah, this is like your whole life at one yes, point. Yes, you have to learn about the the unseeable force of Funkintelliki and the placebo syndrome. Did you? Did you? <laughs> and ever? you have to know of the the deeds of Doctor Funkenstein. <laughs> Did you ever create fan art or like fanfic or anything about this stuff, or did you did you uh, consume uh, it? I embarrassingly, uh, uh, I feel like one of my friends and I in high school were like writing a, a joke sketch screenplay that was about a, a, a parliament based funk band. Aw, yes, it's it just seems very potent for that yes. kind of stuff. Exactly. Uh, anyway, rich text. Love Parliament, and they appear several times on the thing we were talking about today. Oh, <laughs> should we? So let's <laughs> yeah, get into it. Yeah. <laughs> God, what fucking song am I going to use for this? Ooh, the greatest song of all Maybe time, which fu- is "What's Going On" <laughs> by Marvin Gaye. Uh, perhaps I'll, I'll finally uh, create the cover that I was thinking of using for just the every the theme song for every episode, which is a cover of M's pop music. Pop music. Because what else are we doing here than talking about pop, pop music. music? Anyway. Hi, and welcome to Ed Introducing, a podcast about words, about music. I'm Chris Wade. And I'm Molly O'Brien. <laughs> Sorry. And introducing online, it's a Rolling Stone Magazine's new 500 greatest albums of all time list. Uh, so this is going to be more of an easy listening app, so I haven't really prepared a full introduction. I was going to ask, was there, was there more? <laughs> I was waiting for more. No, this list is... Uh, uh, appearing exclusively on... Or I guess they probably put, put this in uh, print as well. You gotta. And soon, coffee table book everywhere. Mm. Uh, no, Rolling Stone has now twice released a list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. Technically three times. Oh, did they update it in like 2012? They did. And it wasn't, I don't think they changed the top 50 at all. I think they it was just fooled around the edges. Yeah, they fiddled with the, the lower ranks. Um, and this was first appeared in 2004. Three, sorry. <laughs> this first appeared in 2003. 
what was the book published in 2004? I saw Probably, 2004 yeah, somewhere. Yeah. We, I have the giant coffee table book. Um, then I think it caused some consternation then because it the original book seemed to or list seemed to very much reify Rolling Stone's increasing image at that time as a kind of stodgy, boomer focused, mm. uh, uh, rockist institution with mm. all, only uh, glancing. Uh, um, Pans to to new or more contemporary, even music of the the '90s and early 2000s. Right. So this list uh, was more or less explicitly stated as we are updating this for the '80s, '90s, 2000s, and today. Yeah. And much more takes into account contemporary music. Uh, and having just looked through it all pretty uh, dedicatedly, I, I actually think this does a pretty good job of giving a broad survey of the entirety of the last or of all of 70 years of pop music. Yeah. Um, but when these lists come out, they always cause consternation of some time. And as this is a podcast about words about music and a list of music is perhaps the most distilled forms of, of words about music. Yeah. We figured it would be a good, uh, lacking, lacking other subjects for this week's episode. Uh, uh, a, a pretty good, platform to discuss these kinds of things it's really more of a podcast about numbers about music this yes. week in that sense uh yeah people got they always get big mad and it's funny that it first came out in 2003 because that is i would say pre-internet uh hate click yeah pre time. pre getting big mad on the internet time yeah, unless you were in like a small fan community yeah it was it was probably much more you know micro climates of mad i'm sure it was discussed on the forums the forums certainly you usenet <laughs> was that usenet a is a thing yes. yeah um the bbs's sure sure yeah uh but uh, it's it so it's funny to think of that in, in terms of that, but that that I guess at that point was just a ploy to sell magazines. Yes, to Paper, sell papes. Yeah, to sell the papes is a a big flashy list and to get have everyone get mad about. At that but time, now God, you can did get they mad probably release this as like a special double issue with like the gold? Totally. Uh, you know how they do like a, a yeah. gold uh, uh, frame around it when yeah. it's like a real special issue of yeah. Rolling Stone. I think this might have been the era. I was a huge reader of Rolling Stone thanks to my father. Um, from like 2002 to, to pretty much when I went to college, actually, because we, we received those magazines in the mail. And I do remember that issue. And I think it was maybe in the era where it was like heavily sponsored by Absolute Vodka. Sure. Because you could get, you could really get a heavy hitter uh, ad campaign for something like that. But yeah, the five. A lot of insets, back cover to, uh, to, for the gods. <laughs> so yeah, um, but... People got mad about this one too. My my entree into this list is that I just thought it was funny that one of the main headlines of this list is that the former number one greatest album of all time, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band by The Boodles, was knocked out, ethered into the 40s, I think. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. No longer the greatest. And I made a joke about that. Just like funny that, you know, Rolling Stone kind of cannot, obviously like the Beatles are just like the greatest, one of the greatest bands to them. And then to just like have this thing that they valorize for so long. And then it's just like, fuck you, dude. Like <laughs> Marvin Gaye is coming to take your spot. Yes. And coming I mean, up from behind 50 years later, <laughs> <laughs> never, but never a moment too late. But I tweeted and it, uh, a bunch of people saw it and it brought 
all of these like boomer dudes into my menchies like saying all kinds of shit about the Beatles. And I'm like, well, clearly people still, at least people in this generation still feel some type of way about these boodles. Yes. But it was driving me insane. <laughs> like one of them was uh, like pet sounds explaining to me of just being like, well, you know, pet sounds uh, was inspired by it was a reaction to, to and a revolver. And I'm like, I know <laughs> I, read, I read the fucking magazine, dude. <laughs> but you can't you can't get that um, once you start like defending yourself in that way. Yeah, find, you've already lost. Well, we should talk about how this list is generated because I think, uh, you know, uh, in our other show, we've been talking about uh, uh, things that cause cultural chaos, and lists yes. in general are Ooh, are one. Very um, true. So the, this list, as far as we are, we've discerned, is made by a list by a an, a a collection of ranked ballots. Yes, from far and wide. Yes, uh, across the music sphere, from uh from everyone from Beyonce. Yes, to. Uh, friend of the show, Matthew Perpetua. Did he say he submitted a ballot? I think he did a ballot. Also, Brittany Spanos. Brittany Spanos, who who wrote some of these, um, the blurbs on yes. the site. I see her in the written by section. Nice. Uh, so, a, a I broad, know her. <laughs> <laughs> a broad cross section of music writers and just musicians. And then, as far as we know, some secret alchemy and algorithm within the Rolling Stone supercomputer which I assume is the same computer that uh, w- was bought by uh, Sterling Draper Price in that episode where it makes the guy go insane. And cut his nipple yeah. off. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's the same one. Uh, that was bought by Jan sometime in 1969 it's to generate... It's the same the, office. Yes, people, exactly. Most people don't know that. It's uh, the same office on Madison Avenue. Yes, and it's... Uh, uh, so all the ballots are fed into a reel-to-reel computing machine and it weights them in some way and then spits out this <laughs> list. So it's not like... <laughs> Marvin Gaye is number one. So it's not like... People, you know, the whole editorial getting together and say, and saying, all right, what is the best album of all time? It's not like 10 guys. There's several hundred people. Number two. It's like a lot of votes and then things are, are weighted and rearranged. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I like going through this is if you clear your mind of the ranking mm. and kind of just scroll through this as a scre- stream of consciousness of music. I think it does a pretty good job of surveying the entire history of pop music and kind of putting equal weight to a lot of different genres, a lot mm-hmm. of different types of things, a lot of different types of creators um, and, and musicians throughout uh, all of pop music and creates some interesting pairings that kind of make you think. And I, I pulled out just a few of these. There are a bunch of them, but you know, it's just like uh, uh, rolling from, you know, the raincoats into Billie Eilish just making you think of like, Oh yeah, these like, what is these things uh, like weighted against each other are, are interesting to consider like early UK female punk against like the most modern iteration of alt female pop. Yeah. You know? Right. Yes. And that's where I do think that there must be some, some editorializing just even in terms of like what goes on the same page with each other to make those kind of associations. I, I noted that um, Loretta Lynn's coal miner's daughter was next to Britney Spears's blackout, which I also sure. think is like, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's good. what is Britney? If not, not a, coal, a miners. coal miner's daughter as sure. well. Uh, well, that was another big thing that people were excited for that uh, blackout made it onto the list at all. Oh, the, uh, all the freaks were very excited, yes. including me. I think that, that album deserves to be canonized. I think. Yes. That is a pivotal moment. It is a cultural reset in some ways. Yes. She, because you want a piece of her. 
Yeah. Well, it's just it was a it was like electro pop uh, goes mainstream, but it was also super dark and weird. And it was also. Uh, Come on, this is cool as fuck. And also kind of acknowledging that Britney Spears had a uh, had a dark side. That. <laughs> God, that that track is so cool. Yes, I want an instrumental cool. of it. So yeah, in this it's, way, uh, it's aggressive. It's abrasive. In this way, like a ranking kind of makes sense. Is like I think this is an incredible song on a very good and interesting album. But I also think that Nine Inch Nails' Pretty Hate Machine is a better, like, should be ranked higher. Yes. Because it came first. Yes. I don't think you could also have Blackout with, like, a Nine Inch Nails innovation in production. Yes. Also, Britney in this is basically doing autobiographical, like, almost not third person, but self mythologizing mm-hmm. in a way that, you know, Bob, maybe Bob Dylan could never. <laughs> no, we I'm certainly just, wouldn't have the same background. For I'm it. being facetious. I do want to, so just to give like a little bit of detail on like the old zone, the, the old list and the new yes. list. Um, in the old list, uh, the 2003 one, there were only um, 12 albums by people of color. And zero from women of color. Is, wait, is that true? Uh, that is that I'm. That is the referencing from I think Consequence of Sound uh, wrote about it. There was one hip hop album um, amongst the entire top fifty, and that was Public Enemies. It takes a nation of millions to hold us back, and that was number forty eight. That's wild. And in two thousand three, like that's definitely that's a super short sighted. Yes. Um, in the top ten of the original list, six of them were either Beatles or Bob Dylan. <laughs> which I'm just like that it's I just find a, that boring. kind of a even in two thousand four, it's just like such a, a bankruptcy of of considering what had happened in music. Six Bob Dylan and Beatles. It's just like so stodgy. Yeah. Um the uh what what is the other interesting thing I found from this? Uh, okay, so in the new list, there mm-hmm. are 154 new entries, which means 154 uh, ostensibly got either booted or downgraded. Sure. Um, I could not find a list of which 154 they are, so someone needs to do that. Someone needs to reconcile these lists. Maybe if I have time, which I certainly do not, <laughs> I could um, work on that myself. And I, I just figured Reddit, someone on Reddit would yeah, do would, would do that. Uh, 86 albums from the 21st century made the list, which is, that's pretty, that's pretty that's good. a fair share. Yes. Right? Well, let's see. If you're talking about, again, I've, I've pegged the history of pop music to be 70 years long. So if the last 20, you have uh, less than 20%. I mean, I don't know. It, it's getting there. But also, I think there is something to be said that like, if something came out within the last 20 years, yeah. maybe it needs a little more time to marinate. That is true. I mean, there are these things that are more greatest. foundational yeah. uh, in it. And I think you can't help but weight things that were super inspirational, that, that generated a lot of things. And in fact, I noticed in a lot of these write-ups, which are mostly just like one paragraph long, mm-hmm. they make a point to go out to to highlight the things that this that these albums inspired afterwards and what kind of little tangents yes. came out, out from things. That's why I feel like when you say you like it to kind of see everything sort of mush together is that it does give kind of a, a longitudinal view that is like 
correlations. There yes. are correlations. Yeah, this, these are a web of albums rather than a ladder. Than a ladder. Yeah, very good. Very spatial of you, sir. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, one of the funnier stats I saw is that in the 2003 edition, there were 29 albums from the 1950s. In 2020, there are nine. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, one of the things to kind of figure out is like how the very, very early artists fit into things. And especially because, you know, the album as a concept wasn't necessarily fomented until the 60s. You know, it's often a lot of like best of compilations. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I would like to put a pin in, I mean, this is, we're just going to be referencing all over, is uh, Rolling Stone's uh, relationship to jazz in yeah. popular music. Yes. Because they're about... Th- I, I, I didn't really start counting until I was like deep in the list and noticed that some albums started coming up until I noticed uh, like Charles Mingus's uh, Mingus album in like mm-hmm. the 300s. Yeah. Where I was like, okay, so you're going to do this whole list. Yes. And decide that like four jazz albums get canonized in the top 500. It almost seems like they need to hard decide whether jazz exists Counts. as as like pop music or not. I think that's a fair assessment because it seems like also anyone who genuinely cares about jazz yeah. would probably either dispute that or just be mad that there isn't more jazz. Yeah, because I really think there was like, it was like that Mingus album, it was like John Coltrane's Giant Steps and Miles Davis's Bitches Brew yeah. and then maybe one other album but that I didn't like quite flag. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, I, I mean, I think jazz's relationship with pop music in general is, is kind of touch and go, would you say, you know, it, it yeah. kind of comes in and influences in certain spots by certain artists, but, but it, it's kind of this parallel track. So just to kind of give it lip service with four out of 500, it seems weird to me, but I did appreciate that that Mingus album uh, moved right into Rush's moving pictures. <laughs> Just <laughs> again, what I enjoyed about like you know considering these these things that you know are all part of our rich fabric of uh of of popular music. Yes, yes. Should we talk about like the top ten? Yeah, let's let's or talk the about, top twenty. Or well, something? I'd li- also like to talk about the uh, the five hundredth. Yeah, uh, which is the first. You know, you click on the site and it's the first thing you see when you sit down, which yeah. is Arcade Fire's funeral. <laughs> which what would have come out. <laughs> come out right after the original list mm-hmm. came out. So they were like immediately right out the top headlining, like this is this ain't your daddy's top 500 list. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're doing something new, sexy, fresh, and innovative. Arcade <laughs> Fire. We're acknowledging the new modern classics right off the top. There's violins in here. There's violins. No, I fucking hey, love that album. these guys are from Canada. I'm never going to kick... Uh, uh, Arcade Fire off off the list for any of these things. Yes. But it is that but, it, that is a very funny. I do feel like once again like weighted did they show up at number 500? Probably not. But I think maybe around editorially, there. Editorially you're like maybe you want to come in on that cuz if if the actual weight of this had like spit out as number 500 like a middling D- Dylan album Mm-hmm. Or like some girls or something, and you scroll down to the like five hundred, the five hundred great new five hundred greatest albums of all time, and the first one at number five hundred is like B- yeah. Bob Dylan, Love and Theft. You're like okay, <laughs> uh, back, click off, <laughs> nothing new here. No, nothing, uh, nothing gets my gears going to read the rest of the five hundred like reading about Bob Dylan's two thousand one album. <laughs> Woo. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, so do we want to do the uh, the top 10 just yeah. to see where things... Do you have the old top 10? I do. 
we could yeah we have a we can do a little numerical comparison yes um i think that's that's a good idea old number one as i roasted on twitter was uh sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band how do you feel about this album they had an album but not only that they had a concept crazy and then they put those two things together they were a band within a band they Uh, were wearing uniforms i don't know i like they're i like uh, Sergeant Pepper's, I guess it. It kind of, I kind of put it into the genre that we find ourselves often talking here about sounding like fucked up carnival music. That is true. They paved the way for, <laughs> for, for fish, for fish, and ICP, and ICP, and Billie Eilish. Yes, and Eminem. Wow. Um. Yeah. I, it's it's funny. Uh. I I was doing a little basic research for this and ended up on this uh pop Reddit. Uh. What was it? Pop heads the subreddit sure and someone said uh it was the a user a a moo moo my spirit animal said the youngest of the top 10 still being 20 years old says a lot you can't convince me music peaked with the beatles singing here comes the sun do 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 and i I like that attitude because yeah. I, I like trying to pinpoint like what when did music peak but in the at the time that shit was probably crazy right yes Oh my God! They're they're talking about when I'm 64. Well, they're like, talking about Lucy in the Sky with diamonds. Here's the thing: A Day in the Life is truly cool. Can that we play is, that? Yeah, we can listen to it a little. This is, a, is this maybe the first appearance of a Beatles song on this pod? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot. It's cool. There's a lot going on in this song. That was the sixties, wasn't it? People were always hearing the news today. It was it was always pretty bad, right? Uh, yes. The president gets shot, or like Marilyn Monroe died, or like uh, more dead in Vietnam. Yeah, bad, the newspaper was just like bad vibes. Uh, now it's I read the posts today. Oh boy, saw Hunter Biden not wearing a shirt. Nobody was really sure if he was on the house floor. I saw I was on a Zoom today, oh boy. I whipped my dick out and everyone saw. I tried to turn the camera away. It wasn't very nice. When it leaked to us, <laughs> Sorry, this is very to- it's very, very topical. topical. Yeah, this will not this will not uh um, <laughs> this will not make sense any time. Did you skip to the end? Yeah, yeah, we the big build up. I fucking love that build up, man. Oh, I just skipped past it.
Bitcoin. Cool. Four, four hand, six hands did that mm-hmm. on two different pianos. Nice. It's cool. It is cool. You know what that buildup inspired? Hmm. The THX deep sound. Oh yes, Molly's been all about the deep sound. Wait, did I tell? Did I tell you this? You, it, you know the the sound. The, yeah, the, I'll pull it up. Oh God, okay. I'm trying to be brave. I used to hate the word moist, and then I just said it a bunch, and now I don't hate it anymore. So I'm trying to exposure therapy myself to this. But the THX sound when they're um, in the movie theaters when they're showing it off how good their sound system is, um, it really scares me. It makes me feel really bad. And I guess the guy who programmed it uh, was inspired by that orchestral buildup at the end of a day in the life. Thank you, Deep Note. Ugh. I'm working on it. It's just, it's the dissonance and then the fact that it resolves to a note that I like can never predict. <laughs> like it just gives me an unsettled it feeling. It is a very uncanny note. Bones. Yeah. Well, thank you, Beatles, for that. So that was the old number one. That was one. the old number one. New number now one. Now ethered to the 40s. But man, fuck you, Sergeant Pepper. Eat shit. Uh, Marvin Gaye, what's going on? Marvin Gaye, what's going on? I. I would say that this is a pretty good consensus choice. Like nobody's going to argue with this. Yeah. Uh, though I don't want to be too cynical about it. Yes. But the opening line of their review for publishing this in September of 2020 uh, maybe is is trying to overstate the case a little by saying Marvin Gaye's masterpiece began as a reaction to police brutality. Yeah. Which I yes I understand, but I I just feel like you know they're trying a little bit like trying to topically situate their argument for number one uh, album of all time. It is a little in these trying times. It's a little sweaty. It's a little sweaty. That being said, it's It's not incorrect. It's it's not incorrect. And it's definitely, I I haven't listened to this album too much, um, but I definitely actually remember when I read the 2003 version, I was definitely like digging into my dad's album collections a Mm -hmm. bit. Uh, to find because I, you know, in my novitiate state, was like I need to learn about music. Like I can't just like <laughs> listen to it and like it. Like I need to study you a must little bit. Know the music. I must know the music. And I did. I do remember listening to this then and being like, Yeah, it's good. Great album. <laughs> good songs. What are you gonna do? Great voice. Great voice. And topical. <laughs> and in these times. But it does. It is funny that they. You know, it's a perfect pick because it has to be like. Not to not to denigrate the the quality of what's going on, which maybe we should listen to yeah. a little bit. We listen to Sergeant Pepper's, yes. Um, but we it's like to, we have to we can't do a, a no growth by not listening by not listening to, to they this. did a gro- Rolling Stone did a growth they by did a growth number one so um, like it's an album that can be topical, but it's also topical for the '60s as it is now by a um, an African American artist who's you know the representation on the original list had been. Slighted. It's like yeah. something that is going to be eternally cool. It's like something that nobody's going to say, come on, man, to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, and for that, I, I feel like this might be the one that is maybe most, mis- maybe massaged into number one. Because you're like, look, you, 
You gotta feel, stick the landing. It, it is, and like as much as I try to do defend list making as as look, don't think of it as ranked choice. Just think of it as like a kind of slowly ascending tapestry of albums. If you have a list of 500, one of them has to be one, and that one is the one that has to be like most uh, agreeable. The mo- the most the most ranked. <laughs> yes, the most ranked. Perhaps not the most ranked, but the most undeniable. Yeah. For all in love yes. You know we've got to find a way to bring some Also, just revisiting this track listing of what's going on. What's going on? I feel like I always think of it as what's going on in my head. What's going on? What's going on? Uh, nine tracks. Hey, people, maybe more of you should try making an album with nine tracks. Yes. Ten at the most? But make them all good. Make them all fucking good. Billie Eilish, who is ranked on, mm. I think, in the 300s or something? Yes. Uh, I like I love When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? Very Fiona Apple-ass album title. Uh, it's too long. It's too long. How many tracks are on that I want to say there's like 17. Ah. And it's a, it's a streaming gaming thing because the more songs you have on your album, the more streaming share you can get. So I understand it from that perspective, but no one's making an artistic fucking statement with an album anymore. Yes. Edit. Same with Taylor Swift. Yeah. I, it's me heated. Yeah. I, just, I Unless love you're... the album as, a, as the, the format. I think... It's nice to sit down for like 45 minutes and listen to a bunch of songs that go together. That go together and that blow in and out. Unless you're a punk band that has 20 tracks and the running time of your album is still 29 minutes. That's approved. Yes. <laughs> I mean, what can you say? It's a great, timeless song. Uh, a, 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 a song of timeless moral and a musical re- resonance. Yeah. Let's pray for the day when it's irrelevant. You yeah, know what I sure. Mean? We should be working towards... Uh, towards making this uh, irrelevant. But no, good good pick that is going to make everyone happy for number one. I love to be I love to be happy. I love to be happy. Um I love to build consensus. Number two, we'll talk about consensus building. Number two, same thing for both lists. Beach boys. <laughs> pet now sounds. they're doing the, the handshake. Some things never change. Ple- that is that is still, Yeah, that is still very funny of of Sergeant Pepper's going to forty three, but pet sounds no change. Always a bridesmaid, you know. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about Pet Sounds? You know, I've I've listened to this album many times. Not much of it sticks with me. Yeah. Uh, other than the uh, other than the one song that everybody uses, God only knows. Yes, God only knows. God only knows. I heard playing from a car window recently, and I feel like I vacillate on whether God only knows like really hits me in the feelings and makes me like misty or creeps me out. Like, because it does have a very haunted quality to it's it. It's cr- a kind of a creepy song. It would be a good one to use as a children's choir song for a horror movie. I'm, if someone hasn't done that yet, I would be shocked. Uh, you know what song I do like off this album a lot? Uh, Sloop John B. <laughs> it's funny that. Do you, can we play it? Because I was going to cite that as a song that I think is like definitely stupid, but I knew you would like it because it's about a boat. Yes. <laughs> like this makes me feel crazy. Again, it's very it's very funny that this and Sgt. Pepper's were both uh, one and two because again, kind of like fucked up carnival music. 
Yeah. <laughs> but there's one thing that Marvin Gaye is not. It's and fucked, that up is fucked up Parliament. It's very nice. It's a very nice album. It's beautiful. There's a lot of wonderful little mel- melodies and the sounds and orchestrations. So. Yeah. But it also kind of sounds like it's coming out of a carousel in the distance. Yeah. You're, you're called the Beach Boys. You gotta have songs encompassing land and water. Land and water. They're not a cool band. I want to go home. I do love how it, you know, slowly builds up more sure. and more Yeah, the, the pet, pet house has never really hit for me. I do like, I like, wouldn't it be nice? I that's yeah, a, of course. That's a genuinely just good song. Yeah, and it kind of goes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just. Pet Sounds is like kind of backed off to a little too backed off to me from the from the the spice. <laughs> it's a well it's a good it's, it's a good vibes album. Uh old old list number three, Beatles Revolver. Sure. New list number three, a woman. A woman. What woman? Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell. <laughs> Joni Mitchell Blue. The Taylor Swift of the seventies. Oh. Just I'm I'm just being I mean <laughs> Kind of. kind of. I don't know. The towering fe- solo female artist of that time? Yeah, white white solo female white artist. White solo female artist. <laughs> I'm just imagining whatever Joni Mitchell would have done for reputation if she would uh, have done her own uh, Look What You Made Me Do. <laughs> yes. Um. I mean, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I love Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell's fandom to me is uh, always seems like kind of like who's going to say that they don't like jo- Joni Mitchell? I mean, I don't really, I've never really engaged with Joni Mitchell that much, but honestly, Joni Mitchell is not for me. It's not for you. And that's, it, it, it that, needs to be for you. Yes. Like in M- that well, movie, Love be, Actually. Must it be for me? It, it, it mustn't. Um, no, the, it was a plot point in the movie Love Actually where Emma something, all British actresses are, are named, named Emma, Emma. Um, as well as half of American actresses. She, Emma Thompson w- was, she loved Joni Mitchell and Snape, her husband, was cheating on her, uh-huh. and he bought his uh, Gamar uh, a beautiful <laughs> jewel, a beautiful neck jewel, and then he bought her a copy of Blue that she definitely already has, like eight <laughs> of them. That is savage. I, that was t- totally savage. Oh, my wa- my wife likes Joni Mitchell. Mitchell. I might as well give her an album. Maybe she hasn't heard of Blue yet. And, uh, yeah. Uh, let's move on. Yes. Um. Old number four, Bob Dylan, Highway 61 Revisited. It kind of slaps. Yes. New number four, Stevie, Stevie Wonder, Wonder, Songs in the Key of Life. Right. I, it's just also like we're the already the old list is like drawing so much from like this a very narrow slice of of the same thing. Yes. Like f- top five albums of all time, two Beatles, Bob Dylan and Beach Boys. Yeah, it's basically music was invented in the 60s and everything yeah. after that like doesn't really Yeah, well, that m- that yeah, much. music was invented like in in 
18 months in the 60s and everything else is just a pale imitation of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Stevie Wonder's song is in the key of life. I mean, you know. Also guess, slaps. It also slaps. And also, it's like, you, I guess the thing that you would put it most like is uh, uh, Marvin Gaye. I mean, they're both from the same label. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's like very much different shades and uh, of the same thing and like projects towards a a like you know a a more lushly orchestrated sound of like up tempo r&b yeah you know which you know has w- <laughs> long and wide influences yeah, such exactly. as the red hot chili peppers covering stevie <laughs> wonder in the 90s ground, exactly yeah or you know more like we'll see when we get a little deeper into the list we're not going to do every number in this list by the way but just just the top yeah, 10 just i think it's an interesting can, comparison and then we can uh pick out things from it but it's just like you know it, it already is not just you know and not just diversity for diversity's sake but diversity for trying to cover the scope of of what popular music can encompass rather yes. than than like Th- three 18 months in the 60s yes yeah yeah um all right Number five, old number five, Beatles, mm-hmm. Rubber Soul. New number five, Beatles, Abbey Road. I Ooh. mean, still, st- still in the same. So this is this is the highest ranked Beatles now. They've bumped Abbey Road to the top, above Rubber Soul, above Revolver, above Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band. What changed? <laughs> what changed? Is what it happened? Very, I mean, I guess is this the revisionist take on the Beatles? I guess. Um, I mean, is it just that the old? opinion about Abbey Road was that it was like kind of a mess because they were breaking up and now people are like I love a mess I guess well that would be my take on Abbey Road is that it kind the thing is that I would say like Abbey Road over I mean Sgt. Pepper's is that honestly the the tunes are all there it's like every one of these songs is like a good song you and mm-hmm. you don't want to like just be like oh well you know you have to listen to being for the benefit of Mr. Kite within the context of of Sergeant Peppers and not just as a song on its own, whereas all the Abbey Road songs are like, oh, these are good songs. These are good songs that I can listen to by itself yeah. and not yeah, not think about Mr. Kite too much. Yeah. Did it no. Who I'm thinking of um Across the Universe, which we should totally do. Oh, we should do as a as a movie as episode. As a movie episode. Oh, maybe that'd be a good one for the We Hate Movies boys. Yeah. Um I'm trying to remember if if someone specific played Mr. Kite. That is the 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 thing you gotta maybe you gotta hand it to the Beatles for is that the imagery translated very well into a Julie Taymor movie. <laughs> sure, <laughs> bunch of freaks. There's All also right. a lot of variety on this album, like you know from from very sugary pop stuff, in like downright goofy fucked up carnival music, like yeah. Mr. Octopus's Garden. Yes. Uh, or sorry, I don't believe he deserves the honorific. I think it's just Octopus's Garden. It's actually Sir Octopus's Sir, Garden. Sir uh, Doctor Octopus's He's Garden. Knight. Uh, to like one of my favorite Beatles tunes, the the much heavier, like proto heavy rock on uh, "She's So Heavy." Mm-hmm. I love that "She's So Heavy" outro. That's one of my I would say top five Beatles moments. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I, this make that makes sense to me as like the because I, I guess the revisionist take is rather than it is them one foot out of the door. It's like a, seeing it as a crowning achievement. Right. The the um, culmination. 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 That's culmination. what I'm looking for. Yes. Culmination of all their hard work. Those hardworking Beatles. Those, hard wor- those hardworking, uh, lovable lads. <laughs> uh, the number six slot. Old number six. Marvin Gaye, what's going on? <laughs> they didn't promote him that much to the new one. That, that yeah, album just like- did come out in 1971. Uh, new number six. Sexy. Uh, uh, fresh, inspiring. Nirvana, never mind. I mean, I think at this point you got to put Nevermind in the top ten. You got to hand it to them. You do have to hand it to them, just it in is, terms of the the towering 
well, like the, the, honestly, like the, the culmination to use that again of rock dominance of popular music. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, technically if you're charting it in terms of sales, rock is still super popular uh, 10 years later yes. with new metal. But I think we can probably all agree that that wasn't necessarily critically darling. I mean, I guess you would say, I mean, to be pessimistic about the state of rock rock music, which I try to back down off, people still enjoy, for as much as people like to say that rock music is dead, people still enjoy rock music. Just maybe its definition of what it is has changed. This is probably, it's probably the last rock album that changed everything. Yeah, everything else, I would say, it, it's not, you know, being derivative is not necessarily bad, but it's in in response to something. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it, it casts such a huge uh, shadow that at this time, I think you got to put it in the top ten. And even two thousand and four, this probably should have been cracked the higher. Top 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's I I feel like Nevermind is definitely. It's I don't think we talked about this on the pod, but uh, we heard a recent anecdote of someone who was just like. Uh, arguing heavily that like Nevermind is like the greatest album of all time and like a huge game changer and whatever. And my contrarian take is that I actually think that uh, Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill is overall more influential on music today than I Nevermind. Mean, that's not, that's not a bad take, but that, that's just, uh, that's just me being, um, uh, uh, tr- I mean, slightly trolling. I would say that m- maybe you would say, uh, Jagged Little Pill has the longer tail, longer tail. Nice. Um, but Nevermind Rules, so many, uh, another album where it's just like, damn, so many good songs. Nevermind Cultural Reset. Yeah. Uh, for sure. I mean, I feel like we're, we don't really need to play any songs off of this one, but... You I, all know how the songs you, you, you all know how it goes. Old number seven. Old number seven. Rolling Stones, Exile on Main Street. New number seven, which is, I think, even more timely since the release of this list, Fleetwood Mac Rumors. Yeah. A, su- a pr- surprise 20, or a surprise late, 20 teens uh, resurgence in Fleetwood uh, Mac appreciation. See, I surprise, yes, but I actually don't think it's a surprise at all. I think the shit on rumors makes a lot of sense for the shit that young people have gotten more and more to liking over the last like yes. 20 years. This, all, all, but rumors might be the the single greatest coming into like a generation coming into listening to the shit their parents liked at their age and liking like, it even more than a generation coming into let's say liking the Beatles when you're 14 15 16 mm-hmm. it's like listening to the, the stuff that was popular with our parents in like the 70s yes you know yeah I think that makes a lot of sense um and I, I do think a lot of that is because the pri- I would say as a an ancient 30 year old the primary um alt girl aesthetic right now is basically stevie nicks like it's a witchy but like feminine kind of thing and i think that that has clearly has has some um we love the dream song don't don't we folks we love to do the meme where we're drinking cranberry juice we love to be skateboarding and drinking cranberry juice and listening to stevie nicks we we do love it we to be TikTok in and drinking cranberry juice, skateboarding, and listening to the song. No, it's a jam. I mean, I don't want to question the sincerity of people's love to it, but there is a certain like level that the 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 Fleetwood Mac revival is like a meme. Yes. Yeah. It's like. 
there's a certain set extent to which, and I would say maybe 70-30, where people genuinely love this, but also think it's like funny to be a huge Fleetwood Mac stand mm. in, you know, 43 years after this album came out. Yeah. It is kind of funny. It is kind of funny. Well, but it's also, is- the story of Fleetwood Mac is kind of funny. They're all fucking each other, and then they all broke up, and yeah. they're doing a bunch of cocaine. It's funny. I, it is one of those things where I just don't think that, you know, people... And I, you know, I feel like contributor to this list, Matthew Perpetual, would will disagree when he listens to this. But uh, that people who are like our age in 2004 would be like affronted that rumors did not crack the top ten. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 It has had a reprisal, but that's why I think that this list is good because it, you know, takes a a slightly different and more expansive look at these things. I do think. I mean, I'm just trying to put it in a different context. Rumors was one of the greatest selling albums of the 70s. Yes. If not the greatest selling album yes. of the 70s. Like, it is hugely, massively, monolithically popular. And in that way, like, I don't see why Dreams shouldn't be like Whitney Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody. Sure. As exactly. just like a classic that is yeah, unimpeachable like, because it is so. And also damn kind popular. of like unavo- unavoidable. Unavoidable, yeah. But you yeah. wouldn't play this at a wedding. Or would you? I mean, you could. Good. A little breather. I mean, it's it goes. You can dance to it. Thank you for your service, Fleetwood Mac. Uh, number eight, interesting, interesting numerical change. Old number eight, The Clash, London Calling. I mean, great album. New number eight, Prince and the Revolution, Purple Rain. Uh, I, you know, as as much as I think that the London Calling is one of the all time great achievements of of rock music, I think that you know this is basically swapping equivalents to me, like just tremendous like revolutionary like huge rock albums that rule yeah yeah uh so you know at at that point i think it's kind of half dozen of one six of one half dozen of the other yeah you know yeah i think that points out the like the part of the ranked list that you were talking about in the beginning which is just like yeah it's a bunch of good albums (laughs) and furthermore i honestly think and i know it's not like we're not really considering what the artists would think of but i'm i bet both prince and the clash would be like yeah no these Great album. I'm happy happy to be swapped in place for that. Prince in Heaven is like, yeah, it's great. Joe, it's Joe Strummer in have, have, Heaven's like, oi, mate, it's great. <laughs> Someone needs to draw one of those horrendous portraits of uh, Prince and Joe Strummer hanging out in heaven. Both number eight, baby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> number eight of all time, baby. Uh, old number nine, Bob Dylan, Blonde on Blonde. New number nine, Bob, Bob Dylan, Dylan, Blood, Blood on, on the, the Tracks. Track. This is maybe a more baffling equivalency where you're just like, I mean, sure, all the, the, the Bob Dylan albums are great. Yeah. This, so this would then be, the, this is the top ranked uh, Bob Dylan album. And the top ranked is number nine, when whereas the old top ranked Bob Dylan album was number four. So suck it, Bob Dylan. <laughs> no, that's awful. Evaluated down. Here, here's what I'll say. I like Blonde on Blonde. Better. <laughs> okay. That's it. <laughs> I do really like Tangled Up in Blue. Lipper skin pillbox hat? Come on, <laughs> man. Come on, Jack. Stuck inside a mobile with the Memphis Blues again? That's also another great song. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's Joanna? just like trying to trying to 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 reevaluate up a what a more mature work i don't know is it calling any of bob dylan's work immature really a thing right he didn't have like his like little fuck you album mm-hmm. i feel like i'm cursing a lot today i'm sorry uh yeah blonde on tracks is 1975 blonde on blonde is 1966 
Also, I think Bon & Bon has a better album cover. He's looking all must <laughs> versus this like weird. Well, you're so you are thing. saying that you want like the teen idol uh, Bob Dylan yeah, versus the, the, young, the sophisticated older Bob Dylan. I like the young, sexy Bob Dylan. Well, also was he was he in his Christian period by this time? I think that's a little later. I think okay. that's more in like the eighties. Yeah. Um, number ten, rounding out number ten, old number ten, the Beatles' White Album. <laughs> New number ten, and this is I. This is actually one that I definitely want to talk about. Is Lauren Hill a miseducation of Lauren Hill? Yes, mm. I mean th- this is what probably the most notable genre swap of all of these. Right. Yes. Uh, genre swap. A time era swap. swap. Yes. Woman. Woman of color. Yes. Black woman specifically. Um. Yeah. Uh. I don't. I mean, as far as the White Album, I don't know. Do you think Paul McCartney like called Jan Wenner and was like, "I just don't know what you're talking about, man." Like, <laughs> all these albums were good, and now they're hardly in the top five. Like, what's the deal? I doubt he cares. <laughs> He's like, I'm actually too busy sitting on a couch made of money, yes. counting money, and then eating money salad. Yes, exactly. I do not think that that Paul McCartney pays attention to any of this shit. Yeah, which honestly, and bless honestly, him. if you did, if he does. He probably would be like, yeah, you know what? The the Beatles, at this point, we, we've gotten enough praise. We're fu- leave us alone. I'm pretty sure our legacy is secured. Yeah. Although, well, I mean, that's the thing, is it? Is a legacy ever secured? At what point do you fade away into the ether? At what point will Rolling Stone finally drop those Robert Johnson uh, <laughs> compilation albums uh, the See, inventor the I think blues. that I, at this point you got to like certain of them, of those things are bra- are baked in. Like Robert Johnson will never not be in the conversation of like the the progenitor of rock music. I mean, we still talk about Beethoven and Mozart, you know. Yes. Like I I you know maybe maybe I'm being overly um, bullish on the legacy of those '60s rock acts, but I'm pretty sure that a hundred years from now people will be like in in 2100 should humanity still exist, people will be like this great 20th century pop music band that severely influenced the way that popular music was created, the Beatles. Uh, the, just in, in that mode, I want to re-bring up something we talked about a long time ago on the Ezra Koenig blog episode where he was talking about um, basically the perception of art over time and how you know we can't tell an 18th century Chinese vase from a 15th century Chinese vase. Sure. Like they're both nice Chinese vases. And I do think in that same way, you you say, well, yeah, Robert Johnson will always be the inventor of blues and the Beatles will also be the invention, the inventors of like pop and rock music. But in how many years will that start to blur? And it's just like, it's just 20th century music or it's just, you know, music from the, the millennium or whatever. This is obviously... Um, that's, that's true. I... I mean, of, of course, I am biased by the proximity in the grand sweep of history to one thing. I, the one thing I might say is that that is novel about music since it has developed in the 20th century is that it is very specifically created and recorded to be extremely consumer facing to a novice ear and has along those lines evolved extremely rapidly. Mm-hmm again using sounds that are design by design supposed to be recognizable and differentiated by somebody who knows nothing about anything mm-hmm. so whereas you know a novice to classical music might have difficulty discerning era or differences between i don't know he- haydn and uh mozart mm-hmm. or something 
I mean, that's not what that music was designed for. It was designed to be like rich and overwhelming in a like uh, elegant and removed from common experience setting of yeah. like a fancy opera house or like a, a private chamber for royalty yeah. rather than to be blasted over a mall disc, stereo a and be band. able to immediately recognize, oh, that's Prince. That's the Clash. Yeah. That's Lauryn Hill. That's the Beatles. So, I mean, this is just my theory, but I would guess that this 20th century pop music will be much more enduringly recognizable mm-hmm. and the specifics of, of its ultra celebrities. I mean, certainly the less big artists will eventually sink into obscurity, but but the, the durability of its ultra celebrities will will go on for will, quite some time. I will take that bet once we can time travel into the future yeah. and then be like, y'all know who Prince is? Yes. They're like, who's Prince? I my, my version of music is when I go into the music pod and it vibrates at frequencies that yes, uh, at fre- mimic the effect of music on me, but there isn't actually any music playing. I actually, I actually vaporize my music now. I just, go, <laughs> I just go into the bass cave and just sit there for a while. I would love to go who, into the anyway, bass cave. Anyway, who's this Prince fellow? Is he like royalty or yes. something? I heard y'all used to have <laughs> yeah, kings and shit. related to King George. <laughs> I don't know why a guy from the future talks like this. <laughs> my accents change over time. Beep, boop, beep, boop. Uh, but anyway, the what I wanted to bring about up about the miseducation of Lauren Hill. So this is one of the biggest jumps from the old one. In the 2003 list, she was at 312, and now she's at number 10. Huge. Damn, upgrade. Huge upgrade. And, you know, 2003 versus 2020, when the album came out in 1998, it definitely has had some time to marinate mm-hmm. in the public consciousness. But my hot take, which is, I would say... It, it, it's based on, you know, a study that I did in my head. Uh, I think this is almost like a rockist choice for a black female artist. Mm, mm, and I mm. say that mostly just thinking about like what hip hop is and what um, R&B is right now in terms of influence. This is not to say that everything on this list should be having a direct or... Uh, lasting influence necessarily. Sometimes a, an album can be good and it kind of exists in a vacuum. And that's almost what I think this is, which was a super popular album in the late 90s that was, you know, Lauren Hill emerging from the Fugees. She sang real good. She rapped real good. Can we play something off of this album? Yeah, I'm going to play one that may, might exemplify this, which but, is the song that features Carlos Santana. But I would say that, like, the instrumentation is super organic. It's not, you know, uh, it's... I don't think it has that much relationship to like what hip hop is nowadays. Uh, would you say it's it's fairly sui generis? Yeah, yes. I forgot about this song. But that is, it is. I get what you're saying. It is funny for them to pick an album. And again, we don't know how much of this is picked versus just what was organically kind of voted into mm-hmm. tranches. Unsure what the balance held, I touched my belly overwhelmed by what I had been chosen to perform. But then an angel came one day, told me to kneel down and pray, for unto me a man child would be born. Oh, this crazy circumstance I knew his life deserved a chance But everybody told me to be smart Look 
Forgive me if I've never seriously considered the lyrics of the song. Is this about being Jesus' mother? I think maybe. But instead I chose to use my heart. Now the joy of my world is in Zion. Yeah, Carlos Santana on the um, the nylon string guitar is kind of funny. So, not to like, I'm not trying to denigrate this album at all. I think it is great. I do think it is maybe in the same way that the number one album is is Marvin Gaye's is like it is a safe choice for a new for being a bold new thing on the list. Yes. As opposed to say. I don't know, Nicki Minaj, the pink print? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and also like, again, yeah, and I don't want to denigrate either of these albums either. There is like an element to it where, this is something that Rolling Stone kind of always loves doing is trying to situate things as both good music and political statement. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's what stuck out about me about like, you know, uh, while not being untrue, just flagging that Marvin Gaye album from the first album being like, this is about police brutality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is being like that, a way to, that it almost feels like in a dot protest too much way that a way that they feel like they have to justify these things mm-hmm. is by making albums that are, picking albums that have some kind of like social relevance. Yeah. In addition to just the musical quality. Yeah. Yeah. It's but they, they quoted her in the, um, in the new list saying, I wanted to write songs that lyrically moved me and have the integrity of reggae and the knock of hip-hop and the instrumentation of classic soul, she said of her debut mm-hmm. album. Anyway, that's Miss Lauren Hill. Ms. Ms. Lauren, Lauren Hill. So that's the top 10. That's the top 10. Are there, were there any, as you were reading through, that you... Um, uh, that you were like, either, oh, damn, or like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> was I like oh damn or oh what the fuck or anyone that you thought was no, I thought too the, low no I thought that these were all um uh I thought I thought it's basically like a good survey I mean you you could do worse for to understand the broad thrust of of popular music than just like putting on the Spotify playlist of all these things and hitting shuffle I mean there were you know some some one two duos that stood out for me for being like Funny and again, like in my praise of a list like this of um of making you consider these two very different things uh as being of similar quality. Yeah. Like I wrote down the the one two somewhere in like the maybe the three hundreds or the two hundreds of Surfer Rosa and Mariah Carey's The Emancipation of Mimi. Hell yeah. It's just a good uh the Pixie Surfer Rosa and uh, and Emancipation of Mimi as um a good like two things that you would almost never put back to back in any other context, but you're like, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to think of those two things as, as, uh, um, peers. Yes. They're Uh, certainly both music. I also wrote down just the, um, the flow of Frank Sinatra's in the wee small hours, uh, Harry Nielsen's Nielsen Smielsen Mm -hmm. and 50 cents get rich or die trying as a, as a (laughs) funny three, threesome for me. That is pretty good. Uh, I, I have one, I've got, I've got a bone to pick. Yes. As a uh, Kendrick Lamar would say. And it's Lord Melodrama uh-huh. Too Low. Too Low? I think they yeah, ranked I think it that's too a low. Modern classic. That's just, that's, that's my personal, like being one of like a bratty pop fan of saying, you know, oh my God, Taylor Swift only got an eight 
4.1 in Pitchfork? Like, yeah. what the hell? I I think that was a really great album. I thought it should be in like the 300s. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I'm not that interested in like getting getting my faves rated. I mean, what? There's only one Devo album on here. Which one? Uh, Are We Not Men. What, what number is it? It's somewhere like 200s maybe. How does it make you feel? Great album. It, they're they're good. They should be put in the put in the pantheon of classics. Yeah. We just listened to it all the way through on a drive over the over the uh, weekend, and guess what? It goes. It is good. Um, the the only other one I want to call out that I was just like kind of tickled by is that My Chemical Romance, Welcome to the Black Parade, was number three sixty one, which I think implies that it's better than like just to go back to the the jazz <laughs> thing is like it's better than the Ornette Coleman album. <laughs> <laughs> like when you think about it like the rankings in terms of that i'm mm-hmm. just like it's just so funny it's like yeah i don't know i i, I love that but my, my chem deserves its due in the critical pantheon that is for sure yes i mean a lot of stuff you know a lot of good entries from the last decade not a lot of rock albums from the last decade i mean i'm sure if they do this but that's the thing is that things gain stature over time oh there was one I was gonna say, like, as uh, as time goes on, like, I'm sure that one Tame Impala album would be put in, but it was. Currents is on there. Currents is on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in the in the like low 300s. Also, uh, Harry Styles solo album. It was like in the 500. It was like close to 500. It's to like go, 480 or something. To go back to, um, I mean, does it deserve to be there? Addy K. I listened to that album. It's all right. Um, but well, I mean, some people fucking love that album. P- some people do. But uh, most of the people who fucking love that album are people who just fucking love Harry Styles. Which is yeah. different because your rank of 500 greatest artists of all time would be very different than the rank of 500 greatest Have albums. Have they done that? They should do that. Then but I think that it gets, gets weird. really hairy. So then that then you have to ask the question: if they're if Rolling Stone is ranking 500 greatest artists of all time, would they say the in 2020? What? They say how much Marvin money would Gay? you put on the Beatles being number one? A lot still? of money. A lot of money. They would have to, even though they've raked significantly re-ranked them down. Like you, you could not not expect them to do that and then probably like it would probably go like the beatles rolling stone and then like probably they would feel compelled to pick a black artist for number yeah three. yeah but have it be like a real left field thing like notorious big or something yeah exactly yeah who who ranked higher in the top was it uh did tupac or i think biggie might have beat tupac in the new version yeah well i think i mean the in terms of albums i think ready to die is always considered like the classic yeah i think that's right i'm i was just looking to see if there are any other like huge etherings and uh in the old in the old list astral weeks by van morrison was number 19 and it totally fell out of the top 50 (laughs) (laughs) did people just forget about astral weeks i just remember being a kid and reading about that and it was like the thing like you gotta have astral weeks uh, I one of the biggest nods to a current artist I thought was um Kendrick Lamar getting in at, coming in at nineteen. Uh, also Kanye I think has six albums on the yes. top five hundred, which that's pretty impressive. It is, but uh, to the credit, I would also say that Kanye among you know modern hip hop guys and also Kendrick ha- are the most who's like an album is like an event for them. An Whereas album's like, event. Drake, who has some uh, albums on here, I just I think just the one. Uh, if you're reading this, it's too late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it just releases like a constant stream stream of music, so it's hard to quantify. Mm-hmm. You know, there have been a few big Drake events, yeah, uh, when he... event albums, but it's less easy to quantify him as like there is a new Drake 
album as he put he calls some of his shit like playlists yeah and he would he would do playlists or like mixtapes or whatever and there would be like 21 songs on it or mm-hmm. some shit which again i i implore people just to do edit. an album it will mean i think it will ultimately mean more you know what's a good people you know what's a good uh a model i think is to release the album that is like classic album nine to twelve songs mm-hmm. if you got more shit like eight months later drop the b-sides drop the b-sides you you know who's great at that is Carly Rae Jepsen. Carly Rae Jepsen and her B-side fans love queen. it. And maybe ho- you hope you get like squeeze one more, one or two more singles off your B sides release. Mm-hmm. But you're like, no, this is the album. The album. And then I have some more songs that'll come out later. Or you know, some some bonus tracks, some um, some hidden tracks. Uh, Matthew was actually just talking about hidden, like he was asking people about their favorite hidden tracks, and I totally forgot about that concept. Something that will be completely Lee lost to time. Yes, eventually for the Gen Z kids, I don't really know how you do a digital. You would bake track. it in. You would put. You would release like a ten minute track, and it's like the three minute song, and then like eight minutes of silence, and then another. That is true, and you'd have to stick around. But I for, I forgot about that idea that you would be looking at your jewel case, saying, "Ah, here we go. We're here. at the end. Like it's been great." And then all of a sudden, it goes to number eleven, and you're like, oh, "What the fuck?" Anyway, I'm pretty sure there was a hidden track on Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Uh, do you think Radiohead deserved better than twenty? How did they do that? Number, Kid A at twenty. Kid A at twenty. I see. I'm. I understand why they did Kid A because I do think Kid A in terms of influence and in terms of like, you know, the, the reach and the impact is, has more, the implications, the international clearance, uh, I think is probably higher ranked, but I'm a, um, okay computer bitch and would have ranked it at number seven. Seven? (laughs) (laughs) I'm an, I'm an okay computer lady, but they put, I would say what most, most of the Radiohead albums on it. Sure, probably. Um, I, it's a little frustrating because it's not all in one page, so you can't just like control F uh, and find things. They got to get those clickies. the The most amazing thing I saw in the editor's note of the um, the current version of the 500 albums, the editor uh, Jason Fine, 63 million people read the 2003 list last year. Wow, that is an insane amount of clicks for yes. a website. That the traffic is just <laughs> they're they're just existing off of these lists. Pretty much, pretty much. Well, should we get the updated coffee table book when it came out? Because somebody gave me the original two thousand three coffee table book as a gift one, so it is in this house. Um, you know, and now I feel like this one is more representative. I mean, I I don't know. Like again, I I'm I'm not here to stand Rolling Stone, but it is just nice to have this thing that is just like a feels like a good like comprehensive uh, a list of things where each time, you, like basically each scroll you do, you get to a new genre of music, a new great thing that represents the breadth and width of, of what we can do here. I mean, I guess what other bones could you pick? Not that much experimental music on here. Yeah, but you know, you're not finding many noise artists. You're not finding any like real, like real, real indie underground things mm-hmm. on here. Even if it might be like, uh, uh, you know, well sung, yeah, uh, in in over time, you know, no no Merzbow on the list, <laughs> <laughs> no Jandek. Oh man, uh, you know, did our did our boy um, which McCallit make it on there? Who? Uh, uh, Walker Scott. No, Walker. no Scott Walker. 
Well, n- now I'm just going to have to pitch a fit. Yeah. As a as a brand new, Scott, shiny new, just out of the the womb Scott Walker fan, I simply must protest. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's commercial. It's it's all it's it's, it's wrong what stuff. is yeah it's what not, is good for commercial yeah. music. Yeah. And this feels like it represents it. Yeah. The one thing I have to say is that I'm shocked. I do. I am running an ad blocker. I'm sorry to say, but it, was this spot was this page sponsored by anyone? Uh, I did not see. On fact, for me right now, all that it's running is um like those around the web ads on the side. Yeah, that's like these smart displays keep you connected to your home and inner circle. The best indoor grills to take the cookout inside. That's pretty good chum. Sometimes the chum is is pretty yeah. freaky. Like you'll never guess who died. <laughs> yes, with look this at, child star is dead. Uh, Why? Look at this weird <laughs> medical thing. Yeah, look at this weird skin. Ugh. Uh. This is all to say, maybe they don't do a main sponsorship because it would feel somewhat, um, somewhat uh, corny or cheesy to be like the 500 greatest albums of all time, sponsored by uh, Svedka. <laughs> yes, exactly. The other vodka, <laughs> 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 or like Pfizer. Uh, should we wrap up? Yeah, ish. We should. Okay. Ish. Uh, well, this has been great. Again, this is just kind of a um. And a nice little thing to get some out. We've got some more, uh, more cooking, more cooking, mm-hmm. a more back to normal, uh, more back to normal, you know, memoirs and artists uh, episodes coming out soon. Yeah, uh, with some good guests. But we wanted to get something out there since it's been three weeks or so. Yeah. Uh, but this has been great. Do we have any e- emails or good emails we've gotten recently? Um, I mean, we've gotten some some wonderful, some great emails, some very nice emails, some good requests. Uh, I. Which I will be responding to. Uh, <laughs> Great. Yeah. Thank you for your emails. Thank you for your emails. We love to get them. Yes. Um, I think part of the reason maybe we've been, I've been slacking a little bit on preparations for this podcast is that we have another one, another podcast. You can't just have, it's like a Lay's chip. You can't, just, you have can't have just, just one. one. Uh, yeah. We're doing a podcast where we read, where Molly reads Infinite Jest on the podcast mm-hmm. to me. Yep. And then we talk about it. And then we talk about it. So you can use it as an audiobook. Yep. We're trying to figure out if Infinite Jest is good for the boys or not. Because I've never read it and Molly has. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we will report back in three years. Yes. Or so. Um, yeah. But if you like footnotes, definitely go. Yeah. It's a podcast about footnotes. It's a podcast about footnotes. It's called Infinite Cast. SoundCloud.com slash Infinite Cast. Infinite Dash Cast. Infinite Dash Cast. Don't send them astray. <laughs> um... But let's go into the end of this episode. Uh, if you wanted to email us, you can find us at and introducing at and introducing pod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Find us on Twitter at and intropod. Mm-hmm. Uh, or find us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash and dash intro dash pod. Mm. Uh, and I think that's basically it for today. Yeah. Right? Anything yeah. else? Yeah. Th- thanks, Rolling Stone, for giving yeah, t- us this list. T- send us your list of top 10 albums of all time. Yeah, actually, yeah, please do. Yeah, well, maybe we'll read some of those. Maybe we'll read some of those. Yeah. Yeah. I See, I can't even conceive of what my top 10 albums of all time list would be because I would be so... The question is whether I'm trying to do greatest or trying to do, you know, favorites, but I don't really make any distinction between that because I'm not weighted down by the, the weight of being an editorial publication that has to be responsible to readers. So I would just go and do my favorites, which would be a very weighted list. Yeah. I mean, you're free. Yeah. But then what would be the point of doing it? Because it wouldn't have any value to anybody but me. 
you just have to become big critic boy and make everyone mad. It's too much responsibility. Thoughts. Yeah, no, it's a, it seems like a huge hassle. Well, just have fun listening to music, yeah. Just have fun with it. Yeah, just have fun with it. Rolling Stone 500 greatest albums of all time. <laughs> just have fun with it. Rolling Stone's 500 greatest albums to just have fun with. Just have fun with. Just fun album. Well, not fun. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> bye-bye. Bye.